Welcome to Success Secrets, the podcast where we dive into the inspiring stories of individuals who have overcome obstacles and achieved remarkable success in their professional lives. Join us as we sit down with entrepreneurs, executives, and trailblazers from diverse backgrounds who have broken down barriers and shattered glass ceilings. We explore their journeys, strategies, and insights and learn how they've navigated the challenges, persevered through setbacks, and reached their goals. Get ready to be inspired and empowered by the powerful stories of resilience, determination, and discover their secrets to success. We are excited to kick things off with our first ever season called Women in Fintech. In this captivating series, we will uncover the secrets to success from some of the most influential women in the fintech industry. I'm thrilled to have our special guest today, Emma Kisby, CEO of Kogo. Emma is a trailblazer in the fintech industry and a true inspiration to leaders, innovators everywhere. With her remarkable journey to success, she has shattered glass ceilings and overcome challenges and achieved incredible accomplishments. As the CEO of Kogo, Emma has been at the forefront of driving innovation in the fintech sector, and she has a wealth of insights and experiences to share with us today. From her career journey to her leadership approach, we'll be diving deep into her story, discussing her achievements and gaining valuable wisdom from her perspective. So without further ado, let's welcome Emma to the show and uncover the secrets to success that have propelled her to new heights in the fintech industry. Welcome, Emma. Thanks, Lizelle. What an introduction. It sounds like my mum wrote it, I have to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So Emma, could you tell us a bit about your background and how you became the CEO of Kogo? Yeah, I started my career in customer data analytics. So in essence, that was helping businesses understand their customer data and how to make more money out of it. And I worked with a number of FTSE 100 companies. I set up a business for a big UK grocer. It drove a lot of millions to their bottom line. And I went from there into working at Virgin. And it was all about the purpose, you know, putting the purpose at the heart of business and personal purpose. And then it really inspired me to think about data for good. So rather than getting people to buy more stuff, to actually get people to buy more sustainably and more ethically. So that's kind of how I I got to working in a green fintech business. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, amazing to see that you've worked with FTSE 100 companies and, and Virgin. That's that's huge. So how would you describe your leadership style, Emma? And how does it contribute to Kogo's success? I think having worked for a number of different corporate businesses, I think I've spent a lot of time thinking through what really didn't work for me as a female, as an individual in the workplace. And a lot of that was the lack of transparency and the lack of openness. And so one of the things that we pride ourselves at Kogo is how open and transparent we are as a business, how inclusive we are. We really push the gender and diversity agenda and we're very driven at the same time. But as I said, it's very inclusive. I love that. I think that's super important as well to ensure that you're transparent and inclusive in your business. So Emma, could you share a time where you faced significant challenge in the business and how you overcame it? Just one time, Lizelle, that would be... (laughs) Uh, I think there have been a number of challenges. Uh, I think one of the biggest challenges, I think, especially as a working parent and working at Kogo as a scale-up business, was when we were right at the start of the journey. 
I had two young kids, COVID hit, I was homeschooling like many working parents. And at the same time, we had a runway at a startup business and we were trying to navigate how to scale our business. And it was super challenging. And so in terms of overcoming it, I had a very supportive family around me. My husband's very supportive. My family were very supportive. It was kind of a, an all hands on deck. But also I had an, an amazing driven team. So the kind of three or four of us that were working at the time, you know, were very supportive of each other. We worked as a team. But that to me was a, a fairly, that was probably the biggest challenge I've ever had in my working career where my two worlds of being a mum and being a leader collided and there was nothing much that anyone could do about it. So that support got me through it. And also probably drinking a few glasses of wine and, and having a really good way, <laughs> which I think is so <laughs> <laughs> that always helps, that's for sure. Another question I have, what are some of the biggest barriers that you faced as a as a female leader in the fintech world? I think the key ones that come to mind are really the obvious one, which is just the lack of rec- representation. You know, there's 30% of females in the fintech world and only 5% of those are CEOs. We need more women in this space, especially after COVID where we did see a lot of women drop out of the workspace. Well, pay is another big one that continues on. And probably the third one is just the lack of flexibility. And I think that in terms of then how we've looked to overcome them, so the culture is really important. I've talked about the importance of open and transparency. We have, everyone can see how much everyone earns at Kogo. So you can see everyone's salary, everyone's commission deals, everyone's option deals. But I think why that's important is that it gives, especially women or people who are less confident, doesn't just have to be women, but people less confident to ask for pay rise. Everyone knows where they Mm -hmm. stand. And so there's not some people doing the same job as you, you know, earning huge amounts more. So I think the culture is very important. I think secondly, we look to positively recruit and promote. So we've decoded all our job adverts. We we don't put a list, for example, of all the skills because we know actually that's the first thing that puts women off, especially in fintech business. And the third thing is we're fully flexible. So I really encourage working mums. You know, a number of my direct reports are are working mums like me. We encourage flexibility or there's a guy in my team, Jack, who really just wanted an extra day off because he wanted to spend more time with his girlfriend, do more skateboarding. And we were like, yeah, why not? You know, because we know it's that saying, isn't it? Like happy at home, happy workers, you know, I, th- I think it's very true. So it's all about encouraging flexibility and, you know, a business like FinTech is perfect for that. Yeah, absolutely. So another question I have is about mentorship. So what role would you think net mentorship and networking play in the success of women in fintech? I think they're incredibly important. And I think actually networking and mentorship are kind of the key things that actually encourage more women to speak up and be bold. You know, I have an incredible mentor at Kogo, Richard Collier-Keyword. He is not only kind of counsel or mental to me, but he encourages me to be bold and, and speak up. But also the networking, I think networking both inside your organization to create a kind of really inclusive and supportive environment, like I talked about at the start, where you know you need to face into challenges together, you need to work as a team, but also outside, you know, it's been amazing working in fintech and seeing so many amazing female leaders in fintech. And it's really easy to connect with them and straight away you start sharing problems you know around kind of underrepresentation what are you doing about this you know fundraising is a big challenge we talk a lot about and there is a number of areas and also you know as I talked about and I'm, it's not exclusively about working mums it's just particularly personal to me but 
I met a woman at an event the other day and we were comparing notes on our teenage kids and like how you deal with them as well as the pressures of work. So, you know, there's a lot about that intersection between working and being a parent, but also just sharing broader problems. So I think having a mentor and having a network are key because women aren't very good at asking for help and they don't really have enough time. And that is, they are kind of critical ways that we can help address that. I love that. And yeah, I totally agree about having a mentor because they can really help boost your confidence. And chances are they've experienced the same issues that you're going to be experiencing and they can help navigate that as well, can't they? Yeah. And and also, I think the other thing I certainly saw this at Virgin a lot is your mentor doesn't have to be someone older. It doesn't have to be someone in the same industry as you or the same background as you. We had a, a great setup where actually we had mentors who typically were kind of younger at the start of their career and coming from a different perspective. And actually that was as good as kind of experience and advice and seeing things differently as that older mentor. So there's different types of mentors you can get, but I think it's just giving you a different perspective. And as you say, it's about giving you confidence and encouraging you to be bold and speak up. I think that's mm-hmm. the critical point. Yeah, I agree. And what would you say is the best way? Like, how could you go about finding a mentor for young women who are listening to this and they are they do want to get a mentor what advice would you give them so they could find one of their own well you know the first place you'd obviously look is in the company but if you don't have other women in the company I would look at tangential companies that are kind of companies like yours where you know whether you go to events there are a lot of kind of now a lot of kind of networking for women specifically and where you see people speaking on a panel you know a lot of people are really happy to kind of share their experiences and kind of take on that mentorship it's really just about asking for help and finding mentors in other businesses or you go to networking events go up and speak to them and say look I'm looking for a mentor would you consider it and I I think you'll find that a lot of women especially senior women will be delighted because everyone is desperate to get more women into business especially into the fintech space you know because it also helps them when we're trying to recruit we typically see a real shortage in in some roles of women. I would love to be able to have more women coming in to actually be considered for recruitment. And one of the challenges we have is there just aren't enough women to who kind of come forward. So actually, it's in everyone's interest that uh, we encourage more women and more diversity into, especially for me, fintech businesses. Definitely. I completely agree. And it's for young women out there, it's all about putting themselves out there to meet other women and create their own opportunities to get mentorship, right? Yeah, massively so. And also I would say I've had a couple of really amazing male mentors who have been fantastic. So yes, I think it's great to get a female, but also it's not to say that there aren't very supportive men in this. You know, this isn't a female exclusive issue. This is a problem we all face. And there are some amazing men out there, lots of amazing men who are pushing the gender agenda so, you know, it's it's not an exclusive issue for women. And I think you can get a lot of value from having a male mentor as well. Yeah, there's plenty of male allies out there. And it's great to see that I'm seeing a lot on on LinkedIn now where a lot of men are advocating for women and speaking up for them. And, and I just love to see that. And I think in order to create change, we need the other 70% of people within the workforce in fintech to help speak up for us because we're going to get there a lot sooner by having everyone involved. What about for, I know you spoke of a few things for advice for younger women in the industry. What, What other advice would you give to someone who's just starting out in their career in fintech who could help them feel more comfortable and help them excel in their career? I think one of the biggest trans 
formative moments in my career was when I worked out what my purpose was. And I appreciate when you're coming in fairly new, that can be quite hard. But I feel like the kind of when you're new into your career, really thinking about what you care about and what you stand for and your values, I think are really important to line that up with the job that you do. And so I only really discovered that halfway through. I talked about data for purpose, but what I didn't explain was my daughter was nine years old at the time was like this climate warrior and wanting to go on climate marches. and she organized her own climate march and they were like I was chaos it was like 300 primary school kids and they're kind of marching around and 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 basically we got home and she was so proud I mean it was a health and safety nightmare but she was so proud she's like oh mommy it's going to make such a difference and and I was like "Mm." well it was a moment in time and it was fantastic but it's not really going to change the world. And then I really started to think about what I'm doing and then started to think about my personal purpose and how much I care about the future of the planet that my kids going to live in, as well as this kind of skill set that I've got around data for good. And I think, you know, we, we see a lot of kind of younger employees coming into the workforce with a really clear sense of their personal purpose. And I love it. I wish I'd have had that clarity of kind of purpose and values and what I stand for. You it's just kind of important to then work out how that lines up with your career because they should neatly sit together. But for me, for a while, they kind of, it wasn't and probably until kind of midway through my career that I started to kind of bring them together. I like that. So finding out what your purpose is and, uh, and your values, right, when you're starting in your career. What are some of the ways that, digging into a little bit more into this for the younger listeners here, but what are some of the ways that they can figure out what their purpose and values are? Well, I actually think it's probably easier um, saying this because I meet a lot of kind of people coming into the workforce, especially in the world that I live in, which is all about green fintech. So we do carbon footprinting. It's all about how do you help people understand their own impact on the planet. A lot of people who come to us, you know, we've got this amazing girl, Devon, who just cares about sustainability. She was doing a fashion course in sustainability. She found us at a conference. She's now one of our absolute superstars. You know, she just was so passionate about this space. So I think it's how you line up what you're particularly passionate about. And if not, then it's like, what do you enjoy? You know, it doesn't have to be your purpose. You know, your value set can can come and you can work that out. But then it's like, what do you really enjoy? Because life is short and our careers are all shorter and it's important to really enjoy your work so I think the more you love what you do the more passionate you are about what you do and the more you think you're doing and making a difference I think you'll find your career much more fulfilling mm-hmm. yeah I completely agree on that and yeah it's it's so true if you're enjoying what you do then I mean it's something that you do for most of your day right it makes sense to be able to enjoy it and it's important to love what you do. Another question I have is, uh, what do you consider to be your biggest accomplishment as a CEO? The biggest accomplishment I've had is I came into Kogo and we had a direct-to-consumer app. We had uh, launched it. We spent ages thinking about how you can marry up um, spending information with emission factor data to give people their personalized carbon footprints. And we launched this app and it got a fantastic response. We'd worked with Mike Berners-Lee on it. People were like, oh, this is brilliant. I love this. And we were all really excited and happy that it worked. And But it kind of got about 50,000 downloads. And we, our mission is to deliver scale and impact. You know, we want to put a dent into this climate crisis. We c- couldn't do that with the marketing money that we had. We're like, how on earth are we going to create scale and impact? 
And so one of the first things that I spoke to kind of the board about was, look, we need to go down a B2B2C. So we have to partner with a business that has lots of scale and impact so that we can create this into a mass proposition. So we started speaking, I think, I think I had 100 meetings in my first three months at Kogo trying to work out which is the right company. And then we landed with the banks and we started working with NatWest. And NatWest were fantastic. They were sponsors of COP26. And uh, they said, yeah, we think this is great. We did a pilot with them. Let's get this live for COP26. And the team in five months turned around a full-scale proposition feature in the NatWest mobile banking up to 8 million customers. They built it in five months across four different countries, you know, different time zones. It was such an achievement. And we then went from having a small app to suddenly a 50,000 to then having suddenly a reach of 8 million. And now we work with 16 of the world's biggest banks and our reach is, you know, up to 30 million customers. And we're only looking now to grow and grow. So I think the biggest accomplishment was actually finding out how we got to scale and grow and then making it work. It was incredibly rewarding. Wow. That's amazing. Can I just say that's really, really cool and really impressive as well. I I find what you just said there super inspiring. And I think anyone listening to this today will will just think, oh my God, that's a really good accomplishment. And I'm sure you must feel like to be able to achieve that and that much growth is so impressive. It was um, incredibly rewarding because we suddenly found where our proposition sat And to kind of work that out and then to see continued momentum has been really fantastic, but also to see how well the team worked together. You know, I'm forever grateful for the amazing team we have because there's one thing finding the opportunity. There's another thing getting the bank to agree it, which is which was difficult enough. And then to actually deliver it in five months, of course, meant a lot of hard work. And, you know, that that's from great team spirit. And that was as a small business, you know, so it was an, it was an incredible team, team accomplishment and one I'm incredibly proud of. Wow. And how many were you at the time? Well, we grew very quickly in that time. I think we kind of went from five to 30 to 100. <laughs> very oh, quickly. my God. So we, uh, wow. yeah, I think as soon as then we had to deliver to the banks and, you know, the diligence and governance that we had to put around that process, we had to really invest a lot to make sure that we had really great solution and proposition and everything around it to make sure that it was super tight uh, from a data governance perspective. So we grew incredibly quickly. Wow. And how did you manage that growth? Because that's that must have been difficult, not, not difficult, but it's it's crazy growth in, in that short space of time. It, it was crazy. It was a crazy growth that has happened over. So we didn't go from five to 100 in five months. You know, we kind okay. of ramp up. But what I would say is what has been particularly helpful in our growth is one, having a very clear North Star in terms of identifying where we want to go and making sure everyone understands that. So we spent quite a bit of time working on what our mission was, what our brand values were, uh, what our team values are. Um, So we were very clear on where we wanted to go to. But equally as well, you know, we haven't totally cracked it. You know, there are growing pains. It's a bit like bringing up children. There are growing pains. You know, we're kind of learning as we go. So I would say that having a clear view of where you're going and clear parameters is really important. Having a really aligned understanding of our culture. And that is where Ben is amazing at keeping us on target in terms of making sure we keep this open and transparent culture, inclusive culture, 
you know, make sure everyone's heard, everyone can see everyone's pay. It's, it's so important to hold on to those values. But though the kind of values and the North Star and what we stand for, they were they have been critical in our growing up as quickly as we have. I love that. So always realigning back with your values and what you stand for as a business. That's I think that's so important as well. So yeah, I think getting everyone aligned on those values is going to help everyone stay focused on the goal and and get you to where you want to be next, right? Yeah, and and again, I think that's been really important. I love the teamwork as the dream work. We our value is together we grow. Yeah, you know, we've got trust and transparency together we will grow and I think um we're all very committed around that and we all cite that when we're kind of going through difficult times, you know, we then look to point to the values. And so anyone who comes in our business, we try to make sure we embed them into the kind of culture, the values and kind of our North Star. Oh, I love that. And I love that. I, I love your value as well. Together we grow. That's that's super important. Speaking of Kogo, what's next for you at Kogo and what are you most excited about over there? It is a very exciting time. I think we are in a very exciting space and we're, I think, a very critical tipping point. So when um, I started working on this about three and a half years ago now, I think we saw businesses trying to work out what they were going to do around the sustainability place, what they were doing around people's impact on people and um, planet. And what we're seeing now is that, you know, some of the regulations that are coming through are putting pressure on the corporates. So you see a lot more corporates now stepping up to the plate on the ESG agenda, um, looking for solutions. So we are really excited from being seen as a bit of a nice to have to actually, it's a critical way of engaging with their customers and, and helping people to understand their carbon footprints is a really great way to help, especially the banks and other businesses to engage in that broader opportunity around selling more kind of greener products and services and helping that transition to a green economy. And, you know, there's just so much more to do. So we are incredibly passionate, incredibly mission-driven. I think one of the things that's kind of hard is there's always more exciting opportunities and it's like making sure we keep our focus. Again, coming back to our North Star is so <laughs> yeah. important. So um, look, the kind of we're on a we're in a fantastic space. And I think the critical thing is we as a team really feel like we are get up in the morning and we're trying to do something to help the climate crisis. And uh, that is a very rewarding place to be. Definitely. Really making a difference in the world. That's that's exactly what you're doing. And I'm sure it's a very exciting time and it's great to see how much impact you can make in creating a, a better place for the world and for the children to come and, and everyone else in this. So yeah, I mean, definitely exciting time. And it, as you mentioned, it's not just a nice to have, it's crucial and all businesses definitely need to get on board with it. Um, just a couple more questions before we run to the fire ones. Um, what's one piece of advice you could think of that you would have loved to have given to your 20-year-old self if you could? I think if I was to go back in time, I would tell myself that your career is a marathon, not a sprint. It goes on for a long time. And I think in that vein, I we've talked about this a lot, right? I would encourage people to, I would have encouraged me to speak up, not sit back not wait for everyone else to speak and then get so nervous that I don't then say anything. So be a bit bolder. I think the other thing that I would encourage is that it's okay to say no and say it with confidence. You don't have to apologize for saying no, if there's something, you know, you, you don't agree with and always negotiate, I think would be my other piece, you know, always back yourself, always ask and negotiate with confidence. Love that. Yeah. If you don't ask, you don't get, that's, that's one of my values. And yeah, that's definitely something that 
a lot of young women need to, well, it could definitely benefit a lot of young women hearing that if always negotiate, speak up for yourself and yeah, don't be afraid to say no and, and don't you don't need to apologize for saying no either. So this is more of um, a personal question. So I want to know, how do you balance the demands of running a successful company with your personal life and self-care? I have an amazing supportive husband and we have a total equal responsibility to all our kind of childcare as well as kind of kind of family obligations. I've got an amazing family. I've got an amazing community that I work in. It sounds like everything is amazing, but I, I've got a very, I'm very lucky with the supportive. For my mental welfare, I took up open water swimming, which sounds a cliche. I'm actually Norwegian. I swim a lot in the fjords. And a friend of mine said, let's swim through the winter. So I've swum without a wetsuit through the winter. And I have found it to be the best thing for my mental health for just some time out for a lot of giggles. It's totally bonkers half the time. If it's two degrees, I think we went we went in two degrees in the ice. And it just took me about out of everything. And you're so conscious about the cold that you don't have time to really think about anything else. So that has been incredibly good. I play the piano and that's again, another thing that then distracts me and takes me away because I have to focus on the music because my piano playing is not that good. And I love to ski. I love being up in the mountains. I love being in Norway where there's no Wi-Fi in the nature and just reminding yourself like what's so amazing about the planet. So I think those are the kind of key ways that I balance things out. I love that. So just quick fire, uh, fun fire questions before we end things. So what's your favorite book? Oh, um, I think my favorite book, this sounds like a bit of a cop out, but uh, I love Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I, I remember reading it as a kid and I just was blown away by it. I read it in a day and then I've just gone through reading it again with my son and again. And I just love the language. I love the imagination. I love the kind of story. I just think it's fantastic. So as a kid's book, I love I loved it as a kid and I love it as an adult. Um, but <laughs> otherwise, I would probably say Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett. I, I was started as a history student and I just love the whole kind of historical fiction. Nice, nice. Uh, Favourite food? Uh, I love Norwegian waffles um, made with hand-picked blueberries that you kind of scrunch up and stick a load of sugar mm, yeah. in. Oh, it's nothing That sounds better. good. That sounds yeah. really good. Especially um, a summer's day in Norway, which usually entails a lot of rain. There's nothing better than coming <laughs> in and sitting and eating some warm waffles. <laughs> <laughs> waffles are definitely good. Favourite quote? I think the Anna Lappe quote, I think I love, I think because it really resonates with me around conscious consumerism, what I talked about earlier around you and your impact that you can have. I think it's... Um, yeah, I think it really resonates with how we should be more responsible with with how we behave and how we consume. I love that. Favourite country? I'll, I'm going to take a guess, Norway. <laughs> We're very lucky. My grandfather built a cottage in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, it oh, fell, that's so nice. It was nice. It fell down because he wasn't a builder, but we kind of built it back up and it's in the middle of nowhere and the fjords are, are freezing and there's jellyfish and can't think of any better place to be with my family so I'm very very lucky to escape there in the nature that sounds beautiful just sometimes you just want to be away from everything in nature with no one around just what you need yeah there's not much there's not much sun there but aside from that (laughs) uh it's a beautiful place to be out and we just sit around the fireplace and chat and and it's a good place to connect with my parents and my sister and her family oh that's so nice um what about most inspiring person that you can think of so 
I think, and this is going to sound a weird one, maybe the most inspiring person uh, that I was affected by when I read his story was Hunter S. Thompson. And it's not because of the drugs or the firearms. It's because he had no regrets. And I think he saw the world very differently. He was very anti-establishment. He challenged the establishment. And uh, he. I read his biography and they had all these different people speaking about him, whether it was like the school janitor, friends from school, or like uh, very famous people like Johnny Depp or kind of famous senators, politicians, uh, people who ran the Rolling Stones magazine. And they all spoke to him consistently. And they all spoke with so much fondness about what a great friend he was. And it just didn't matter where people came from. And I just thought he was such an inspiring person, albeit without the drugs and the firearms, which was a big part of who he was. But I, I just <laughs> loved the way he had no regrets and and just challenged and lived differently in this world. Amazing, amazing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, thank you so much for coming on onto this podcast, Emma. That's a wrap for another episode of Success Secrets. I want to extend my heartfelt thanks to our incredible guest, Emma, for sharing her journey, insights and pearls of wisdom with us today. Her story to success in the fintech industry is truly inspiring. I hope you, our listeners, have gained valuable knowledge and inspiration from Emma's experiences and perspectives. And remember, success is not always easy, but with determination, resilience and vision, you can overcome any challenges and achieve your success and dreams. Thank you for joining us on this journey of uncovering success secrets. Until next time, thank you.